Blog Talk Radio.
are going to get ready to take some time out with the Lord to see what he has for us on tonight. So I hope you all are excited like I am excited. And I just want to know um, what God has for us. So for those that's on Blog Talk, if you are not uh, part of the ministry tonight, please mute your phone because this is a digital service. We can hear everything and anything. But if you are a part of the ministry um, blog talk, please feel free to leave your phone open. So at the end of the service, we will be able to hear from the people that are listening in, and we will be able to vote from there. For those of you that's on my Facebook page and you're watching and listening in, please share this. This is information, if it don't help you today, it may help someone, or you can share it with someone that may need it. So we're going to pause right here right now. We're going to make sure that the man and woman of God is on the line because we want you to be introduced. And for those that do know them, to hear them because they are such an awesome couple. Anytime you could be married to someone, over 40-something years, that means you have spent a lifetime with them and you you know them and yet you're learning to know them at another level. Just like you have a level, different levels in God, you have different levels in marriage. Each mm. 10 years brings on another atmosphere of your marriage, especially when you still want to be there. I don't think somebody heard me. I'm going to say that at it's a difference in being in a marriage you don't want to be in. But after 40-some years, you can still look at him and say, oh, baby. And he still look at you and say, come here, girl. There's a difference. So you all, I hear there on the line. So we're going to just go right into the ministry. We let this awesome man and woman of God that's still in love with not just Jesus, but each other. We're going to listen to them on tonight. Teach us how to keep the fire burning. Here is none other than Ron and Mother Tony Montgomery. It is in your hands. Please go ahead and minister to the people and me on tonight. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. We're so glad to be here. Good evening. Can everybody hear us? I can. Just nod your head. We can feel you. <laughs> yes. We are so we are so thankful that uh, we have this opportunity to share uh, our. Uh, we're going to talk a little. We're going to talk about a topic that's a little different tonight. So we uh, just ask that you uh, be receptive to what the Lord has given us tonight. So let's. We're going to open with prayer. So Lord, we just come and humbly submit ourselves to you. We thank you, Lord God, for your word that comes to to help us, Lord, to navigate our lives together. We thank you, Lord God, for this ministry that has come to strengthen the body of Christ and those that are in leadership. We ask, God, that you uh, send your word tonight that will give clarity to those that are listening, that we might learn more about the black church and its history. And as it relates, Lord God, to your kingdom, And so we just thank you for this opportunity to celebrate black history, but to do it in a way that will honor your kingdom. These things we pray 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Uh, by the way of introduction, my name is Ron Montgomery. This is my wife of, oh, it'll be, it'll be 49, 49 years of another week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I say that we're the perfect, um, we're the perfect seven. Seven? What do you mean? Well, seven times seven is? Forty-nine. Forty-nine. We're seven square, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be celebrating the seventh anniversary of uh, our seventh anniversary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seven, seven. Our escape from, what happened in seven years? The itch. The itch. <laughs> no, no more itch. <laughs> Oh, good evening. And I'm serving for Black History Month. Uh, we're going to uh, do a discussion or um, a recitation, I guess, of uh, Black History. Uh, as And we want to take it from the uh, perspective of, of several men who were responsible for establishing uh, the Black presence and ministry in this country. Yes. Uh, at, the, at the beginning of this country. And we all know what um, that situation was like in those days uh, with the uh, preamble and the, uh, what was it? The, the not the Constitution, the Declaration okay. of Independence. Okay. The Declaration of Independence being a very, very perfectly sculpted document. Um, but it left out a few people intentionally, and there was a lot of uh, contention at the time, discussion about it, leaving out women, mm-hmm. Native Americans, uh-huh. and black people. Yeah, it wasn't just white, uh, it wasn't just black women they left out. They left out white women too, and this thing has been kind of tumultuous ever since. The amazing thing about it is that it is the oldest constitutional government on the planet. Hmm. Okay. It's lasted over 200, almost 250 years. Yeah. And it's the oldest constitutional government on the planet. I mean, uh, no government has even come close to being under the same constitution for this long. The average uh, constitution for a government before its changes Mm -hmm. uh, by one way or another is an average of 17 years. Mm. Wow. So... What that tells me is that God had a plan for this country. Yes, he did. And it was sculpted perfectly in the Declaration. Mm-hmm. But the execution of it and some of the omissions of it kind of uh, messed things up. But we're going to talk about some people that got tried to get us back on the trail. Right. But you have to uh, just remember that the whole purpose of the church is to... It's the goal is that the purpose of the church is to serve the God's kingdom agenda, the will of God. Mm-hmm. And and that purpose of the church is supported by the family. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And that is all that then really talks about the whole purpose of the church then is to promote unity. Unity, not only amongst the members of the church, right. but especially amongst the members of society and whole. Right. To have our influence, a God's influence, mm-hmm. to imprint God's kingdom agenda mm-hmm. on the rest of the world. Right. And, and I, I believe that that was the intention 
of why God let this country form itself and even gave it its weaknesses to overcome. And and I really think that this whole idea of slavery really uh, as the white man tried to to enslave a group of people and then he's going to the white man sort of gives you the word and God takes that very word and frees the people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. his plan backfired, he didn't, but he didn't know God had a plan all along. Right. So tell me more about. I want to mention a few people that are omitted from history, and this is this is a uh, something that we need to go back and uh, inculcate in our understanding of our culture in this country to know that the influences were there; they were just suppressed. Yeah. So we need to be free to let our influence reveal themselves. One man that I want to mention is Cheswell Wentworth. He was a commissioned messenger. Mm-hmm. A commissioned messenger. And uh, Cheswell did something on April the 18th, 1775. And I don't know if that date sounds familiar to anybody or not, but um, he was a, uh, a commission as a messenger and it was given to him by the Committee of Safety. Um, he, Cheswell, uh, was a, a free grandson of a slave. He also, Cheswell, uh, was the first black judge elected in 1768. He was a devoted husband and church member. He was a father of 13 children, and for 49 years, he served our nation in some form of public office such as auditor, assessor, moderator, and town father. Wow. Now, then, let me get back to that date in 1775, April 18th. You're going to remember that date as the date of the midnight ride of who? Paul Revere. Paul Revere. But in addition to that, it was also the date of the midnight ride of Cheswell Wentworth. What? That's right. Paul Revere rolled to the west. Uh-huh. Ch- uh, Cheswell Wentworth rolled to the north mm. and warned the army that the British are coming and to make their troop movements in the direction from which they were coming. Paul Revere rolled to the west with the same message, but they were both conscripted to do the same thing. And it was also a very, very successful thing because, as you know, the British were turned and stalled, and we fought a very hard war after that. Mm-hmm. Another person I want to mention is a man named Peter Salem. He fought the Battle of Bunker Hill. He was also a minute man and a soldier in the battles of Saratoga and Story Point. These were all Revolutionary War conflicts wow. in that Revolutionary War era. Peter Salem. Remember that name. Remember that famous painting that depicted George Washington crossing the Delaware River, all those dudes rowing, and yeah. George Washington standing up there. There's an American flag with that circle of stars up there. <laughs> well, two of the men at the front of the boat, Prince Whipple and Oliver Cromwell, were black. What? And they were very instrumental in the army of the Revolutionary War at that time. Mm. Uh, 
There was a man named James Armstead. He was a free slave, and he posed as a runaway slave. Yeah, at that time, the British were um, the promising slaves. Uh, yeah, if you run away, come on in here. We'll grant you your freedom after we get this thing done. And so he posed, he, uh, posed as a runaway slave. Okay. And uh, he went in there, and he was actually a double agent. And he was the way, able to win their confidence, and he would, they would talk freely around him, mm-hmm. you know, treating him like a dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, maybe they didn't think he could read or understand, because, you know, he was just a mere black man. Mm-hmm. He was a slave. He ran away. He wound up retrieving information from General Cornwallis mm-hmm. and General Benedict Arnold. Oh, well. And that won the decisive Battle of Yorktown that won the Revolutionary War. Mm. These accounts of blacks who participated in these historical events were captured by the writer William Nell, a black man, who in 1852 published the book Services of Colored Americans in the Wars of 1776 and 1812. And in 1855, he wrote and published the book The Colored Patriots, of the American Revolution. These books are available. What? Yes. You can find them and read about those. The part, the point of this is, is that we were full participants in the war. These weren't exceptions. Mm-hmm. These were examples. Examples. Good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. We own this country, body and blood. Yeah. And I want us to understand that sense. But the thing about it is, we as a black people understand what God's intention is mm-hmm. and what he intended for this country to be. And he sent a series of messengers in that time at the Revolutionary War. Okay. I'm going to mention four of them. If I get long-winded, I will. Uh, why don't you? I will. Uh, you let me know. I want to talk about uh, Reverend Absalon Jones, Reverend Richard Allen, Reverend John Morant, and Reverend Lemuel Hayes. I'm going to start with John Morant. He lived a life of adventure and hardships in order to serve God. He was born in 1775, I mean uh, 1755, okay. in a free black family in New York. His father died when he was four. He lived with his mother and siblings in several colonies until he settled with an older sister's family in Charleston, South Carolina, in 1766, when he was 11 years old. He enrolled in music school, where he learned to play the French horn and violin. By the age of 13, he was a sought-after musician for dances and parties. One night on his way to a social, a friend challenged him to go into a church where evangelistic uh, George Whitfield was preaching and blow his French horn to upset some meeting. Mm. As he <laughs> prepared to blow the horn, Whitfield announced his text from Amos 4.12. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Under conviction, Moran passed out. He fell he out under old, the spirit. Yeah, he thought old boy was talking to him. I guess he was. He was. He was talking to him. As he recuperated, he talked and prayed with the preacher until he was relieved of his guilt. His sister didn't agree with uh, his newfound faith, and Moran made plans to return to the house of his mother. 
he was met only with animosity due to his change in life. What? At 14, Miranda left home to wander in the wilderness where he was rescued by a Cherokee hunter who took him to the Cherokee village. Mm-hmm. Sentenced to death in the Cherokee village, in spite of the hunter's pleas, Morant won his life through prayer and led several people to the Lord. He was coerced into the Navy by the British, where he served for seven years. However, during that time, he backslid, and after being released from the Navy in the 1780s, he met evangelist George Whitfield again and renewed his walk with God. 1785, he also received a letter from his brother, who lived in Nova Scotia, urging him to come to Nova Scotia to preach. Moran started a church in the free black town of Birchtown and ministered to the Indians in the area for four years. Moran became a chaplain of Prince Hall Grand Lodge Free and Accepted Masons, one of the first institutions in Massachusetts to call for the abolition of slavery. Due to his group's work, Boston abolished the slave trade in 1788. John Morant left England in 17 left for England in 1790, mm-hmm. and he died in 1791 at the age of only 36. Wow, he did all of that. He had done his work. He done his work. He had done his work. Wow. Just to give you an idea of the participation wow. of blacks. Mm-hmm. In the American Revolution, the founding and the foundation and the continuing foundation of the country. We know people now. Mm. We think that our history, I mean, now we don't think it, but uh, a lot of people lot think of people. that our history started with Martin Luther King. Yeah. Our history in this country started yeah. in 1619, to tell right. the truth, mm-hmm. well before most of them were even here. So true. Yeah. The other minister, another minister I want to talk about is uh, Reverend Lemuel Haynes. Lemuel. Lemuel Haynes. And he offers a remarkable example of African-American ministerial modeling. Mm-hmm. He was born in West Hartford, Connecticut in 1753 of a white mother and a black father. Wow. Haynes lived his entire 80 years in Congressionalist New England. He completed his indenture in time to serve in the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War. Hmm. Privately tutored, Haynes became the first African-American to be ordained in any religious denomination. Upon ordination, Haynes then served white congregations for more than 30 years. What? Among other accomplishments, he achieved notoriety for a sermon entitled Universal Salvation that defended orthodox Christianity against the threat of universalism. Mm. It's a good uh, idea for you to look those things up and see what the difference is in Christianity and universalism. You'll find a lot of similarities Mm. in what's going on in the offshoots Mm. right now. Right now. For this work, he happily accepted the title Black Puritan, Mm -hmm. indicating his depth of Reformation theology. Middleborough College awarded him the master's degree in 1804, another first for an African-American. At age 65, following Paul's mom, 
Haynes left his Rutland, Vermont parish due to political friction that essentially forced him to choose to resign. Mm. His farewell sermon of 1818 emphasized, among other topics, his devotion to the work of the ministry and to the people of his congregation. Mm. Alluding to the words of the Apostle Paul, Haynes notes that he that provided the motto of our discourse uh-huh. could say on his farewell, I have coveted no man's silver or gold <laughs> or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto by necessity. Mm. He was important. It was important to Haynes that his parishioners recognized and followed his model of Christ-like diligence. Few could legitimately question his work ethic, given that he had preached 5,500 sermons, officiated over 400 funerals, and solemnized more than 100 marriages. His was a gospel-centered motivation. It was also vital to Reverend Haynes that his parishioners understood his godly motivation. The flower of my life has been devoted to your service, while I lament a thousand imperfections which have attended my ministry, yet I am not deceived. It has been my hearty desire to do something for the salvation of your soul. Some yeah. about a preaching word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my goodness. Haynes acknowledged and wanted his people to realize that the ultimate judge of his motivations was Christ. Yeah. I must give an account concerning the motives which influenced me to come among you and how I have conducted during my 30 years residence in this place. The doctrines I have inculcated, whether I have designedly kept back anything that might be profitable to you or have through fear of man or any other criminal cause shunned to declare the whole counsel of God, also as the manner of my preaching, whether I have delivered my discourses in a cold, formal manner and of my external deportment. Mm. <laughs> he exhibited uh, and exemplified in his life ministry that Bishop James Walker Hood taught to African-American pastors under his charge. For Hood, the pastor's example was a key to ministry effectiveness. And all things the minister should be the very best example of good behavior, of untiring and unselfish devotion to his work. So Haines' uh, personal epitaph was a Christ-centered purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. Tells much about how he lived his life and where he placed his focus. Here lies he spoke. Here lies the dust of a poor, hell-deserving sinner who ventured into the eternity, trusting wholly on the merits of Christ for salvation and the full belief of the great doctrines he preached while on earth. He invites his children and all who read this to trust their eternal interest in the same foundation. It's an epitaph that was written for himself by Reverend Haynes. Hmm. 
the black Puritan. The Reverend Lemuel Haynes pointed not to himself, but to Christ. He understood that it's all about him. His trust was solely in Christ and his focus solely on Christ. I think that that is the, the whole foundation of him being so instrumental in uh, establishing the black church is that his focus was not on fame. It wasn't on trying to just to promote black people since he served a, 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 a congregation of, of mostly Caucasians. It was about Christ and he lived that out. And that really helped establish the black church. Oh yeah. Now, who else are you going to tell us about? I want to talk about, yeah, i got a couple more. Absalom Jones and Richard Allen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to mention them together because they were contemporaries. Mm. They knew each other. Yeah. Absalom Jones was born into slavery in Sussex, Delaware in 1746. Mm -hmm. You have to realize that all the states have slaves there. Yeah, yeah. uh, Eventually... The North um, eliminated their slavery. They had a bent to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was after the Revolutionary War, but um, there were certain concessions they made, even during the forming of the Declaration of Independence yeah. with the Southern states, uh, that they were just going to leave slavery alone. Yeah. Because um, the North, they wanted to include the, the slaves mm-hmm. in the Constitution and free them then. Right. But they wouldn't have gotten the support of the South mm-hmm. had they done that. But um, and and this 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 shows up in the ministries of uh, Absalom Jones and Richard Allen. Mm-hmm. Now Absalom Jones taught himself to read in his early teens from books, books he purchased by saving pennies given to him by visitors to his master's home. Hmm. At the age of sixteen. The Jones family was separated when his immediate family members were sold, and he was taken to Philadelphia by his new owner. Jones worked as a clerk in his own store by day and was allowed to work for himself and attend an all-black school at night. Hmm. In 1770, Jones married a fellow slave, and through hard work and help of friends and his father-in-law, he was able to buy his wife's freedom. Jones saved enough to purchase his own freedom in 1784. He was an active member of St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church in Philadelphia and served as a lay preacher for the black members of the congregation. Hmm. In 1786, Richard Allen joined Jones at the church, and their futures would forever be intertwined. The black membership at St. George's increased tenfold as a result of the evangelistic efforts of Jones and Allen. Mm -hmm. But this increase was not welcomed by the white members of the congregation. Instead of praising their efforts, church officials responded by attempting to segregate the black congregation. During the service on Sunday in November 1786, ushers attempted to remove all blacks, including Jones, from the main floor of the church to the balcony. Mm. Jones, Allen, and the black members of the 
congregation promptly left the church as a group. Wow. Jones and Allen subsequently founded the Free African Society on April 12, 1787. Members of this organization met regularly and paid dues, which were used to benefit those in need. The organization was crucial in caring for the sick and the dying of Philadelphia. Wow. A mission of the church. A mission of the church. Okay. When a yellow fever epidemic swept the city in 1793, out of this society grew the African church organized on July 7, 1791. Both Jones and Allen wanted to remain affiliated with the Methodist church, but their followers overwhelmingly voted to affiliate themselves with the Episcopal church. As a result of their persecution by the Methodists at St. George's, Allen disagreed with his country and uh, withdrew from the African church, taking a small number of followers with him, kind of like the first split of the church. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. Jones remained as the leader of the African church, which was formally received into the the Episcopal, uh, how do you say that word? Episcopal uh-huh. Diocese of Pennsylvania <laughs> on uh, October 17, 1794, and renamed it St. Thomas African Episcopal Church. Oh, okay. St. Thomas was the first black Episcopal parish in the United States. Bishop William White, Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. ordained Jones a deacon in the Episcopal Church in 1795 and as a priest. In 1804, wow. Jones became the first ordained priest of the African of African descent in the United States. Wow! Despite the split of the African Church, mm-hmm. Jones and Allen continued to work together. They were among the founders of the African Masonic Lodge in Philadelphia in 1798. Wow. The two men also led the black community in petitioning the Pennsylvania State Legislature for the abolition of slavery in 1799. In 1800, they sent a similar petition to the United States Congress. Jones and Allen also founded the Society for the Suppression of Vice and Immorality in 1809. Oh, Lord. In 1816, Jones saw his friend Allen consecrated for the first bishop of the uh, newly formed African Methodist Episcopal Church. Oh, wow. So they they combined their efforts. That became the A-M-N-E. A-M-N-E. <laughs> A-M-N-E. In 1817, the two men were united again when they condemned the newly formed American Colonization Society, hmm. which encouraged freed slaves to return to Africa. One year later, Absalom Jones died in his home in Philadelphia on February 13, 1880. Okay. Gosh. Mm. It's interesting how, obviously, from the beginning, from this country's beginning, the church has been the one to bring the message of freedom. Yes. Yeah. Throughout our whole time, mm-hmm. it's been the church, uh, and you can see that they formed some enemies as a result of that. But the black church has always been a standard bearer mm-hmm. for the word of Christ, right. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. and for the way of God. 
with the kingdom agenda. Wow. That really contributes to uh, God constantly opening doors and making ways and not letting Satan's view, worldview, take over his kingdom worldview. Mm-hmm. And in spite of all of the slavery, God just uh, really sent his message through these men and many others to really establish the kingdom agenda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, probably the most familiar of these four men would be Richard, uh, Richard Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was born into slavery. He later converted to Methodism, and he bought his... Freedom. Freedom. Okay. He's fed up with the treatment of African American parishes at the St. George's Episcopal Congregation, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. He eventually founded the first national black church in the United States, the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. He was also an activist, an abolitionist, whose art and writings would inspire the future visionaries. Wow. Minister, educator, and writer Allen was born into slavery, presumably in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1760. As with other details surrounding Allen's life, there have been some questions as to the place of his birth, with certain sources asserting he was born in Delaware, known as <laughs> Negro Richard. He and his family were sold to Benjamin Chu. The Delaware farmer Stokely Sturgis, sometime around 1768. Mm. Allen converted to Methodism at the age of 17 after hearing a white itinerant Methodist preacher rail against slavery. His owner, who had already sold Allen's mother and three of his siblings, also converted and eventually allowed Allen to purchase his freedom for $2,000. Mm. So yeah, so guys always has a way of escape, always providing, uh, like the children of Israel, mm. always providing a way of escape. Two thousand dollars was a pretty tight sum. I was going to say two thousand dollars is a lot of money right now. It is, boy. Back then, it's probably about mm, close to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So he was able to uh, buy his freedom in 1783. Mm-hmm. The paper detailing Adam's freedom would, in fact, become the first manumission document to be held as a public file. It been donated to the Pennsylvania Abolition Society. Okay. After attaining his freedom, he took the last name Allen and returned to Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. As soon as he joined St. George's Episcopal Church where black and white people worshiped together. There he became an assistant minister and conducted prayer meetings for African Americans. Frustrated with the limitations of the church placed on him and black parishioners, which included segregating pews. You remember we talked about that? Right, he and yeah. Jones went through that. Right. Allen left the church as part of a mass walkout with the intention of creating an independent Methodist church. While Allen gave the year of the walkout of 1787 in his own accounts, some scholars have asserted that the departure happened in 1792. Mm. <laughs> well, along with the Reverend Absalom Jones, who had also left St. George, mm-hmm. 
Allen helped found the Free African Society, a non-denominational religious mutual aid society dedicated to helping the black community. A century later, scholar and NAACP founder W.E.B. Du Bois called the FAS the first wavering step of people towards organized social life. In 1794, Allen had served other black Methodists, founded the Bethel Church in a uh, black Episcopal meeting in an old blacksmith shop. Bethel Church became known as Mother Bethel because eventually it birthed the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Mm -hmm. Helped by his second wife, Sarah, Allen also helped to hide escaped enslaved people as the basement of the Bethel Church was a stop for the Underground Railroad. Mm -hmm. So in 19... No, I'm sorry, in 1799, Allen became the first African-American to be ordained in the ministry of the Methodist Episcopal Church. Then in 1816, with support from representatives from other black Methodist churches, Allen founded the first national black church in the United States, the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Today, the AME Church boasts more than two and a half million members. Mm. Understanding the power of an economic boycott, Allen went on to form the Free Produce Society, where members would only purchase products from non-enslaved labor. Okay. In 1830, with a vision of equal treatment for all, he rallied against slavery, influenced later civil rights movements as Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King Jr. Allen died in his home in Spru- in, on Spruce Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on March 26, 1831. He was laid to rest under the Bethel Church. Gosh. Wow. We have such a deep history, history. in the yeah. worship of God, of our, our church. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the black church is the blueprint mm-hmm. for all churches in this country, and even yeah. around the world. As to how God is to be served. Amen. Amen. And if we look at uh, the uh, evangelistical movement of the black church, Mm -hmm. we see that it is well encompassed in these things that Richard Farmer and Jones had to put forth back at the very founding of this country. Right. It was, yeah, so important Mm -hmm. that they could see the handiwork of God, that they could, they relied on the scripture, not on the people and how they were treating them. So they didn't respond to the people as though uh, they were getting back at them. They separated themselves so they could ex- exercise the freedom of the word of God. Exactly. And how important that, that was. And how it continues to now impact all these thousands and thousands of different churches that are... Uh, that gets their foundation from these four men that help establish the the black church in the United States. So thank you, Ron, for that, that history lesson. And we are, we are now uh, coming to a close. So if you would like to open the mic and have people respond to what they heard tonight, or if they would contribute anything else to the history of the beginning of the black church in the United States. 
And because I'm by no means any kind of an expert, I would really like to hear some of your stories about black history during this historical black history month. Thank you all so much for the lesson on tonight. The lines are not open for all that would like to participate. And what we heard, if you have any uh, segments that you would like to enter in um, with the service on tonight, please feel free to do so. Mm-hmm. are open. Good evening, everybody. Minister Kaiser, Ron Montgomery, Tony Montgomery. Okay, this was a head-spinning black history. And you know, it's amazing because the names that you mentioned, I don't believe I've ever heard them. You know, every black history month, we tend to celebrate the same cast of historical characters, Rosa Parks, King, Tubman, Frederick Douglass, uh, those, and they're on the right. fourth at the forefront. You see them on stamps, on calendars, on coins. But there's more to Black history than just those uh, particular yeah. figures, because yeah. we built this country. Okay, but it's amazing how our history has been hidden, and that's a that's a subject for another. Uh, podcast, uh, but it's a, <laughs> it's amazing how our involvement has been hidden, how our history has been hidden. And I want to thank you guys for bringing, because I was trying to write down those names, but uh, it was like, okay, wait, I'm gonna stop here because I can I can get the notes from from Ron here here <laughs> and Tony. They can they can send them to me. But the church was a safe haven for African Americans, and especially during slavery, because it was a place for them to worship together and promote Mm -hmm. unity and rebuild communities. You know, it it was a gathering, but for the uh, whites, they had to hang around to make sure on the perimeter that these slaves, they were watching for uh, trying to deter plans of escape or to yes. detect insurrection. So uh, I, I don't, the slaves, though, they endured. And uh, I liked when uh, you said God had a plan for this country. I didn't quite get all of that, but that sounded like uh, it, that was profound, actually. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Profound. But mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't really get the rest of it. I was trying to copy down the names, Peter Salem. <laughs> In uh, uh, <laughs> William Nell, I think you said Reverend, Reverend Absalom Jones. I heard that name before. John Moran. I was trying to get these names because I didn't trying to look these names up. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. This was uh, he'll this was <laughs> yeah. This was this was rich, very rich, and I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank, oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the comment. We appreciate that. Uh, this is there may be give a little more light on what I meant by God has a plan for this country. It's interesting how the founders, if you will, um, put together the the plan for the country, and it's spelled out in the, um, the Declaration of Independence. And it's, all, it's a very precisely and well-written document. They prepared by, for it by praying. That's right. These guys were on their knees. I mean, we're not talking that whenever they convened 
their Congress. Uh, they were on their knees for two hours praying. So they knew what was right. Mm-hmm. They knew what was right. They put that in the Declaration of Independence. Right. Just when they got around to the Constitution and they had all these influences pulling them in different directions, uh, and they were influenced a lot by the, uh, the capitalistic uh, method of doing things, um, you know, who was going to make the most money out of this and doing that and the other. Um, the uh, Native Americans, the women, not just the black women, women, and, uh, the, of course, the uh, slaves uh, all got lost in that translation. It wasn't meant for them, usually, and that comes out in the Constitution. But God let them know that you spell this out in the uh, in the, uh, the Declaration of Independence, and you've been going against it ever since, and now we're getting to see it. And that's what, you know, when you talk about critical race theory, that's what it is. It's just telling the true story. Right. You know, mm-hmm. unveiling uh, some of the things that have been told that have not been quite true. The whole thing about Paul Revere's right. he wasn't a solo writer. There was another man that had to go and uh, take care uh, uh, of things that were going on in the, and had a bigger impact. And, had and he, had, he had a bigger impact. He turned a, a large army. It was uh, Chriswell Wentworth. Cresswell Wentworth. Um, and, uh, and not only that, but um, I don't know what, uh, what Paul Revere's other job was. Uh, maybe I need to look that up. But don't forget that Criswell was an elected official. official. And he served the country for almost 50 years in those capacities. We might we want to hear from anyone else. Thank you. Uh, who's ever listening, if you'd like to contribute, we would appreciate that so much. And my husband's a little passionate about this, if y'all have notes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something about this as uh, one of the hosts, Minister Sylvia Kaiser. I, I look at the fact mm-hmm. that not only does our money, but in our courthouses it has, and God we trust. From uh-huh. the beginning, mm-hmm. it lets us know that in God we trust. So that mm-hmm. lets us know that when the Constitution or Declaration of Independence was all put together, like uh, uh, Elder Ron said, for two hours they prayed. Everything that was done was for in God we trust. This country was built on in God we trust. It was supposed to be mm-hmm. built on the beliefs of a Christianity, not everything that's going on now. It was built on the love of God, not everything else that was going on now. It's like people forgot we served G-O-D, but they trying to act like we served D-O-G. You know, and I just sit back and look at a lot of things. I, I'm just like you, I just, like you say, uh, I'm passionate too because I have this, these conversations with people. You're, hollering, you're not calling on God, you're calling on dogs. Our God is not, that's not the type of God we serve. Don't just call him right. when you need him. You know, that's something. Mm. I love the music that's out now, but my heart sticks with the old song that Jesus is on the main line. He may not yeah. come when you want him, but he's always on time. I'm a soldier mm. in the army of the Lord. You know, those mm. are the songs that meant something. It wasn't just a guidance song for a slavery that, that was giving the hints which way to go. It was it's songs that led you back and kept you before God. Sister Carmela said, what, uh, she, we've heard of Martin Luther King and, and all these other people because, see, their dollar signs 
with those names, Rosa Parks. You can get the mm-hmm. T-shirts. You can get the T-shirts mm-hmm. with Martha King and all that. Then you can go pay to visit the statue and all that. But these other names, because they not mm-hmm. only give they give knowledge, they give power. They give what Minister Ron said is uh, as an early part. Uh, it gave it gives unity to the people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That they they right. understand it's just not unity, but it's U N I T Y. You know, so mm-hmm. you look at what they're pushing our way. They're pushing our way because uh, Mother Tony said it. It brings on dollars and cents. Right. It doesn't mm-hmm. bring on common sense. It brings on dollars <laughs> and cents. Okay, that that's mm-hmm. what I have to say. So the lines are open for anyone else um, that want to make a comment. Amen. Thank Hi, you. this is Cecilia. I just wanted to say thank you for the awesome historical lesson for us. And yet, I would like to challenge everyone to look in your own tribe, in your own family, to see the black history, the richness of the black history, the 49 years of marriage, you know, that um, Elder Tony and Minister Ron has, the things that Minister Sylvia has done um, in the motorcycle um, industry, the things that uh, we have done where there's people in our families that are the first-time scientists and the first-time doctors. Let's not only look at them, but let's make sure that we write out the history so that our children and our children's children and our children's children know the history we have within our own families. And I'm only saying that because just like Ron, uh, Minister Ron and uh, Elder Tony made such a great example of how many people in our family, our grandma who was a midwife and things of that sort, that have made impacts on lives, but it hasn't been codified in writing anywhere. Right. Right, right. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I I just want to add, I remember back in the 90s, I used to go to George uh, Washington Library downtown when I went back to school. And I was sitting there doing homework and looking things up and pulling books off the shelf that I needed. There was just one room that I would pass on the way to the uh I think it was the information desk where the lady sits behind in case you have questions and, or she right. needed to find something. I asked her, because uh, I tried to go into that room, and the door was locked. And I asked oh. her, what's in that room that the door is locked? I believe it was on the second floor. And she said, well, those are books that aren't circulated. You can't take them out of the library. But I'm thinking to myself, the door is still locked. So I said, can I go in there? And she said, let, uh, let me let you in. In that room was full of black history. In that room. What? Mm, yes, ma'am. Full of black locked history. I went locked, locked up. I went to that room at least twice a week so she could unlock that door so I can go in there and, and, and wow. read all the information I could and take notes. I said, this is ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amazing. Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. like, uh, I want to make a comment off of what uh, Apostle Elect just said about our grandmother mm-hmm. being a midwife. We went to mm-hmm. California 
a couple of years back, and uh, we went to see our auntie that lives in California, my dad's sister, and we began to talk about our grandmother on our mother's side, and she got mm-hmm. excited. Our, our auntie is in her 80s, and she said, oh, I remember M- uh, Mother Seabury because she delivered me. Mm-hmm. I said, wow. wow. She said, not only did she deliver me, she had four children. She said, I remember my oldest child she delivered. And he came in and she said, guess who their grandmother is? He said, who? He said, midwife, granny, Mother Seabury. And mm-hmm. he said, oh, that was your grandma? And we was mm-hmm. like, yeah. But just to say, like uh, uh, Apostle just said, we have black heritage in our own family. And I'm sure other oh, yeah. that you can look back into your bloodline and you will mm-hmm. see the significance and the importance of making sure your kids just don't learn about Rosa Park and Megger Edwards, Eggers and all of mm. these other people. When we tell people Emma Till is in our family, they don't believe us. Yeah. But when you yeah. put your background, you know, if our family ever got it together and wrote a book mm-hmm. of who we are, not mm. just who we are, but who we are, we would understand, mm-hmm. our children would understand how they it's important for them to keep the bloodline flowing. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's mm-hmm. one of the tricks of the enemy. If like uh, uh, uh sister Carmela just said, the the, the, the door was locked. Mm-hmm. We better get wise as black people to notice we have the shortest <laughs> month in the mm-hmm. year. Every mm-hmm. four years we get an extra day. But the Hispanics have two they have two times of the in the year to celebrate their heritage. The Chinese and the white people, they celebrate all year long, but we only get the shortest month of the year. We better make sure we push. And we push. Mm -hmm. And we push. We have to make sure every month we put on the books. If we put everything on Facebook, we don't never put this on. I am a part of black history. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have to make sure people understand they did not let Mamie get the accolades of the uh, of, of riches of her son, but look what they're right. doing now that she's here. Mm-hmm. We're always losing out because we're scared to step up and stand up and say who we are. Mm-hmm. We go along with anything and everything, but we never step up and say where I come from. Mm-hmm. That I'm not a slave. I'm proud to say that I come from a rich bloodline. But if I don't get it to my son and I don't get mm. it to my nieces and nephews and they don't get it to their seed seed, it's going to get lost. Because I right. remember mm-hmm. my, my parents and my aunties and uncles praying that down to the seventh generation. Mm-hmm. And each generation got to pray down to the seventh generation. Ron, you said something so powerful at the beginning, you are perfect seven. We're in the line mm-hmm. of a perfect seven. Because our prayers have been always heard to the seventh generation. We can't lose Uh that. That's why I make sure my family knows you need to know what generation you're from. Amen. I'm a lot from the generation your wife is from, Ron. I'm a third generation. Uh And I don't care what what generation it looked like I was born with, but I know who (laughs) I wear, where I belong. Well, and that's amen. why I say to our family, make sure you let people know who you are, 
because we know whom's we are, and you need to know yeah, where huh? you stand for. Why do the, the five W's only stand out in the world? Why, when, where, who, and how? Why? Why? It needs to stand out in your family. Mm-hmm. I thank you all for the Black History Month. I thank you all for the Black History lesson. Now, as Apostle said, she challenged. I challenge us to how far are we going to take it or when are we, we're, we're going to pick it up and not let it fall. Amen. Amen. On, a positive, on a positive note, I just wanted to uh, say to um, Elder Tony and Pastor, even though he likes to be called minister, cause, but on tonight you really preached and teach, but that's a whole other mm. uh, message. Um, Sydney, Sydney, she has made some yes. historical strides that the family needs to hear about and they need to see yes. it in writing when we talk about how she's gone to Hong Kong and the things that she's doing. Um, there, I mean, your sons, there's so much going on in our families that it's yeah, making yeah. not just a historical message in our family, but it's making a historical message, period. So, like I said, the challenge is out there. I don't know why God told me to do it, but I just want you to know we have we have a lot of um, people that are oh, making yeah. historical strides yeah. in our family. Yes, right. I just want to say to my family, I hope I don't be coming off negative, but if I do, I'm sorry about that. But I'm passionate because a coin has two sides and so does a dollar bill. You have a top yeah. and a bottom. It's two sides to everything. So if I, if I come off that way, it's not how I mean it. I mean it to the blood, to the passion of my bloodline. Don't let it fall. Mm-hmm. Know where you fit in. Mm-hmm. Know where you fit in. That's mm-hmm. all I say. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 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 Good evening. Good evening. Right. Well, yeah, it's a long time listener, first time caller. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, uh, uh, from the Montgomery, from the uh, the the Bonnie and Clyde of Christ. Um, I would just like to add to um, a very rich discussion too. I wasn't gonna say anything because y'all pretty much hit every point, but I like the fact that uh, a lot of those are not what you would consider a household name. And you've kind of gone back to where we lost in the first place because the oral tradition has passed on uh, that wisdom that you just passed on since the beginning of time. And and I think this was kind of a a renaissance, a birth of it. We need to to say something in this technologically advanced age. We, we, I think we take for granted just the ability to sit down and and tell some, some people some stuff because I've, I've had my grandparents tell me things that I wouldn't have learned anywhere else. And if unless I'm careful, they'll just die with me if I don't pass them on. Amen. So thank you uh, for your Amen. thank you for your diligence, uh, uh, thank, Minister Pop. Thank you, Reverend. Uh, <laughs> keep on keeping on. God bless y'all, and I love y'all. Okay, thank you, Reverend. Love you too, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is Mr. Carmen. Um, I yeah. just wanted to say. I was truly, truly blessed by that rich, rich history um, that, um, you know, came forth out of the hearts of such a powerful couple. Um, I thank God for their history in honoring marriage. That's a blessing to be able to know people that love marriage, honor marriage, and understand 
the vows that they have set before God and man. I also want to say that we must stand up on the fabric of our history. We cannot allow people to have a sit down on the fabric of our history because our fabric is so strong and the threads that bind us all together are worth us holding on to, making sure that our bloodline continues in such great, rich history. We must do that, you know. We must, yes, it might be the shortest month, but we're going to say it's a month of love and it's powerful because Mm. love is powerful. And love covers a multitude of sins. And we know that the sin that have come down through the bloodline, through slavery, it has to be destroyed. And the only way it's going to be destroyed and never to rise again is that we stand up on that fabric of our history and let everybody know we're not going to sit down. We're not going to fall down. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to run back. Our history is a beautiful Beautiful, awesome, amazing history. And I thank God for it. And uh, <laughs> I, I just learned this quote about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. Let us not satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. Let us not satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. And we as a people are not a hated, we don't hate people. We eat everybody's food. Everybody else don't eat our food. But we will eat Chinese food, Italian food, uh, German food, Russian food, uh, Mexican food. We, We eat. Because we have that love, that love that came from the Father, our Father, which art in heaven. And so we must, we must continue. And I thank God for this rich, rich history. And I can't wait to Juneteenth because uh, we're going to be talking about some of this, this newfound history that we sort of didn't know about. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, whatever it might be, but we're gonna bring it forth. <laughs> we're gonna God. bring it forth. So thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless your ministry of history. Thank you, Thank you so much. Ever, Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Is there anyone else? Thank you all for hanging in there with us. Thank you all for all of your comments. Thank you all for your support. Thank you all for just being here tonight with us on Blog Talk as well as we were on Facebook. I just thank God Mm -hmm. for the lesson on tonight. I thank God for all the passion that was spoken and everything that was put in the air because we know that it's not going to come back void. It's going to accomplish that which it was to do. We want Amen. you all to know that we're here every Monday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, next Monday we'll be here with our speaker, 
which will be, how would I want to say her name, evangelist, apostle, prophetess, Dr. Serena Wright. I'm going to give her all of those titles because she is an (laughs) awesome woman of God as well as Mm -hmm. a teacher. She will be with us on Monday. Um, Next Friday, we uh, will be here at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, um, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm seeing who God would have to stand in for me on Friday. Um, I'm going to ask God who would he uh, like for me to ask to make sure that they could bring forth the word. Uh, Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is our very own apostle like Dr. Cecilia Kaiser. We're going to be asking God to give us the time and the grace to share that moment with her when she brings forth the word because there's an awesome word of God that starts our day off on Sunday morning as well as our mm-hmm. week. We thank you all for sharing this word, this ministry. Uh, our foundational scripture is Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We want you all to know that we love you with the love of the Lord. There's nothing you can do about it. And again, Mr. and Mrs. God and Christ ministry team, Mr. Montgomery, I just love you all for everything that you have done with this for this ministry, especially on tonight. You not only gave us a lesson, but you gave us something that's going to tug at our hearts. Because... Some people Thank think you. ministry just got started within the last two, couple of years, but like you taught us on tonight, there's a purpose for this country, and it was all it's all about and been about God. Thank yeah. you all for joining in. Be blessed and have a good night. Amen. God bless. Love you all. Bye-bye. God bless you. Bye-bye. Love you all. Good night. Bye night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.